Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. But before I read that to you, I invite you to bow your heads and join me in prayer. Gracious and loving God, we come to you now with open hearts, hopeful to hear your word. We pray by the grace of your spirit that the words we hear and the thoughts of our hearts will lead us to your will for all of us as your church and for each of us as your children. Dear God, we love you. We thank you for your love. Amen. So again, Luke chapter 2, beginning with the first verse. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration that was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. And Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David called Bethlehem, because he was descended from the house and the family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who he was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her to deliver the child. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. So Julianne and I are doing something a little different this year than we've done the past few years since we moved to Tallahassee. We are actually staying in Tallahassee on Christmas Day. That's a wonderful, joyful thing for us to be able to stay home for for Christmas for the first time since we've moved here. Normally, our tradition is to jump in the car as soon as the last few verses of Silent Night are sung on Christmas Eve and either drive down to Orlando or jump in the car and, and drive to South Carolina so that we can be there in time for Christmas with my family or her family. And as you might imagine, that's a, a frantic thing that we do, throwing luggage in the car, trying to get on the road to try to beat the traffic, only to find that there's plenty of traffic still out there even on Christmas Eve. In fact, last year we decided to outsmart the traffic by flying to uh, South Carolina to have uh, Christmas lunch with my brother at his house. We had uh, bought our tickets several, several weeks ahead of time, and, and, uh, but before we even got to the airport, our first flight had been canceled and bumped another hour. No matter, we thought, well, we still have plenty of time to get there. We won't get there before lunch, but we'll get there right after lunch and everything will be fine. We flew to our connection in Charlotte only to discover that our flight had been delayed once again, not because there were too many people on the flight, but because there was some sort of mechanical error on the plane and and they needed mechanics to come and fix the flight before they would fly us the 80 miles from, from Charlotte, North Carolina to Greenville, South Carolina. As we sat there for over an hour, I slowly did the math and realized we could have rented a car and driven to South Carolina by now. And so after a while, we decided that's exactly what we were going to do. We didn't want to miss the chance of being home for Christmas, of spending the night in the airport. And so we spent several hundred dollars, rented a car and drove the rest of the way and finally did get there, not by lunchtime, but by dinner time on Christmas Eve. As my luck would have it, about 30 minutes after we got in the car, the flight did take off and, and beat us to South Carolina by about 20 minutes. That's Brad Clayton's luck for you. But we did make it in time in spite of all of that. 
So with all of that as being our tradition, I am thankful to say that we are not starting our Christmas with a journey this year. We're staying at home and and going to wake up in front of our own Christmas tree and celebrate Christmas together. But as you know, the original Christmas did start out with a journey. In fact, it was, uh, we often celebrate that journey every single year with our nativity scene when our nativity uh, Christmas service at 5 o'clock on Christmas Eve. It starts out with a journey, not where Jesus is born in his own hometown of Nazareth, but they, Mary and Joseph go on a journey to the city of Bethlehem. Both Matthew and Luke tell us that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, not in Nazareth, his hometown. And then Matthew and Luke tell that story to us for a little bit different reasons. For Matthew, being born in Bethlehem is all about fulfilling the prophecy that the prophets told us about the coming Messiah. That the prophets tell us that that the coming Messiah would be of the house and lineage of David, would be descended from the house of David. And so Joseph going to Bethlehem proves that, that he's from the house of David. And so this Messiah that's coming checks all the boxes for the people who are waiting for the coming Messiah. But in the Gospel of Luke, there's a little bit different nuance to the story, to that journey. Because it's only in the Gospel of Luke when Mary and Joseph get to Jerusalem that there's nowhere for them to stay. It's only in the Gospel of Luke that after this long journey away from home, away from their friends, away from their family, after this long journey away from home, Jesus is born in a barn. That he's homeless for the first few days of his life. Jesus is not attended by by midwives and and Mary's mother, but instead there are cows and sheep and and a few shepherds there to greet Jesus when he is born. It's in the Gospel of Luke that we hear that Jesus is born in this meek and meager way, all because the Gospel of Luke is concerned with the last and the least and the lost of God's people. And Jesus comes to us, not on clouds of heaven like we hear in the the book of Daniel, not as all the other kings of the world had come in great places like Rome or even in great cities like Jerusalem, but off the beaten path, out of sight, despised and rejected even by the people of Bethlehem, born in a barn amongst the poorest of the poor. It is our annual reminder that God comes to us, not in the ways that we expect God, to come to us. And it would do well for us this Christmas to journey to Bethlehem once again, to look for Jesus, not in the places where we would like to see Jesus, not in the ways that we expect God to come on normal days and normal times when we offer our prayers to God, but to look for the ways that God chooses to come to us through despised and rejected, maybe the places where we least expect. If I ask you the ways that you expect to see God working in the world, or certainly if I ask people on the street, they would probably mention things like power and might, answer prayers, ways that God could come and, and change this world dramatically, ways that our prayers would be answered finally, things that we've been waiting for for so long. Or maybe you would say that I would expect the King of Kings to come in a, in a mighty, powerful way, a way that is familiar to me, a way that would be so easy for me to recognize God, a way that would be easy for us to understand so that once and for all we would see this God and we would know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this is the King of Kings, the one that we're meant to worship. 
One of his books years ago, Philip Yancey, told a story about how we often see God in ways that are familiar to us, and we expect God to appear in ways that are familiar to us. He says in his book, this old book that was called The Jesus I Never Knew, he says that the, the Native American Indians often referred to Jesus as the buffalo calf of God. Can you think about that? Or, or people in other countries who were re going through revolution would depict Jesus Christ as someone as a revolutionary carrying a, a, a gun on his back. Or even people here in our own country would depict God in ways that appear just like they are, appear familiar to them. He even mentions a, a former Miami Dolphins linebacker who said that if Jesus Christ appeared today, he would be the toughest football player ever. We depict God in the ways that are familiar to us. They remind us of strength, of power, of might, of ways that we would want to worship a God like that. But then we read the Gospel of Luke. We read about this child born in Bethlehem, and we realize that God does not always come in the way that we expect God to come. God comes in meek and lowly ways and appears with shepherds, appears with the poor and the meek in the back alleys of a little town off the beaten path called Bethlehem. And we would do well that if we wanted to see God this Christmas, not to look for God in those powerful and mighty ways, but maybe to look for God in those meek and lowly places in the world. Frederick Beekner tells a wonderful story about how one Christmas, he got the opportunity to go and celebrate the Christmas Mass in the Vatican City with the Pope. This was the first time he had ever been, and so he followed the advice of other people who had gone. He went eight hours early so that he could get a seat right up front so that he could get to see the Pope face to face. That's what they all wanted to do, after all. He got in with a crowd of people, people from all over the world, people, some who were dressed in their Christmas best, experiencing this holy moment, and others who were there in their jeans and a t-shirt just wanting to be tourists in the Vatican. People who were speaking all different languages from all walks of life, elbow to elbow, elbow shoving their way into St. Peter's Basilica. But once they finally got in there, Bigner said he was in awe of the beauty of the sanctuary, the beauty of the dome, the, the golden icons. He thought, surely this is a holy place. And what they were all waiting for the most was to see the Pope himself, this holy man, this man that surely would come in with a light surrounding him, that, that, that surely he would be the embodiment of what holiness would be. When the time finally came for the Swiss Guard to come in, they brought the, the, the throne in where the Pope sat, and then soon the Pope followed after. But to Beekner's surprise, this was not a, a huge, powerful, magnanimous man, but they saw, he saw a gray face behind black glasses and to his surprise, there was not some magnanimous smile on his face, but a quizzical look on the Pope's face. Just as people were looking at him, the Pope was looking back at them, looking them in their eyes, looking at the people who had come from all over the world, almost as if the Pope was looking for someone. Bickner realized that maybe the Pope was looking for the same person that they were looking for. Only they were looking for it in all the power and the majesty, but the Pope was looking for it in the common people. The people there gathered in that sanctuary, the Pope was looking for the child born in a manger. The Pope was looking for the risen Christ. As Beekner says, and I want to share with you his words, he says it like this, 
The old Pope surely knew that the one he was looking for so hard was at that very moment crouched in some doorway against the night, or leading home some raging Roman drunk, or want for the mass to be over so he could come in with his pail and his mop and start cleaning up that holy mess. The old Pope surely knew that the one he was looking for was all around him. The story of the journey to Bethlehem reminds us that Jesus is found not in the power and the might of the world, but in the last and the least and the lost. And all of those places that we despise and reject, or at the very least, take for granted every single day. And this Christmas, maybe the greatest sin that we could commit is to take that little baby for granted once again. To take it for granted that this baby born in a manger so many years ago, this baby who was so meek and fragile and vulnerable could somehow change the world once again. But that's what God does. God takes the meek and the fragile and lowly. Those places that are, are taken for granted. Those places that we keep out of our sight and out of our mind. And God changes the world through the despised and the rejected. The great Presbyterian preacher John Buchanan tells a great story in one of his Christmas sermons about how a little fragile child could change someone's life. He tells a story about a teenage boy who was a, uh, a paraplegic who had been taken to a rehab center to try to get better, but because of his condition, because of the accident he had been through, he was just depressed. He didn't want to do any of the work or any of the treatment that the doctors or the nurses had asked him to do, and so he just sat there in the fetal position in his bed, depressed and, and wanting everyone to leave him alone. Finally, the doctors and the nurses were ready to give up on him, but they brought a roommate into his room who changed everything. It was a little three-year-old boy who had just been through a horrific accident himself and had burns all over his body. This little boy hadn't given up on life, and so every time he needed help, he cried out loud and asked for people, cried for people to come. And finally, no matter how many times this teenager tried to ignore that little baby that was crying, he finally decided that he could help. And so every time the baby would cry, this little teenage boy would start pressing the button to get the nurses to come in and bring medicine that the child needed. Every time the baby would cry, he would start pushing the buttons and say, he's thirsty, he's hungry, we need to help him. And somehow, by taking his attention off of himself to this little vulnerable child, he started to find time and energy to go through rehabilitation himself. He started to care for himself so that he could care for this other child. He started to get up out of his bed and do the things that they called him to do and asked him to do to get healthier and stronger. What healed this teenage boy was that he loved someone else more than he loved himself. That's how it is with God's love. This little tiny baby, this vulnerable baby, that vulnerable baby that comes into this world loves us more than we love ourselves. And we are called to love those vulnerable people in the world for when we do that, we might find that our lives are renewed and restored. This candle of love that we just lit just a few minutes ago, surely it reminds us of God's love for us, but even more so it reminds us of what God calls us to do, to love our neighbors as ourselves, to reach out to the despised and the rejected of the world and love them 
Because it's in doing that that we might once again see the face of God in our midst. I have to tell you, over the past week or so, I've been thinking about those people around me that are despised or that are rejected or at the very least who are going through such struggle. I've been thinking about people in Kentucky who've lost their homes and have lost their schools and have lost their churches. I've been thinking about people in Afghanistan as people who have, have lost everything and are, are struggling and worried about their safety. I've been thinking about those people in Guatemala where we will go and serve once again this summer. People who live in, in shacks on hillsides without clean water, without enough food. I've been thinking about those people in our own town who live on the streets downtown, who, who go to homeless shelters to get just a little bit of, of safety for the night. And think about those people around us who are not like me, quite frankly. And then I think of a child born in a manger. And remember that it's in those places where Jesus Christ came into the world. It's in those places where people are despised and rejected that Jesus Christ entered in as a vulnerable, helpless child and somehow, some way, changed the world. And maybe this Christmas, if we journey to Bethlehem, if we go off the beaten path away from our homes and, and go to those places where people are in need, maybe this Christmas we might see Jesus face to face once again. And in Mayfield, Kentucky, or where people are, are trying to put their lives back together, or maybe in some underground school in Afghanistan, or maybe in some hillside in Guatemala, or maybe right downtown in Tallahassee we might hear the words once again. A child has been born to us. A son has been given to us. Authority will rest upon his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. There in those places where we least expect God, it's there that Christ is born. I don't know if you're traveling this week, if you are, I hope you travel safely. If you're not, I hope you will, will be here with us and celebrate Christmas Eve with us. But whether you're here or whether you're there, I hope you will have the courage to take that journey to Bethlehem once more. To go out into the nooks and the crannies and the darkest nights of this world. And love those people that God calls us to love. Because if you do, I dare say, you might see the face of Jesus Christ once again, calling us to love, and surely giving us the gift of love in return. Thanks be to God. Amen.